Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Pilati. Today we have a fantastic conversation about PQLs, what they are, how to think about them, how it impacts your team and PQLs or product qualified leads if you're unsure. This is a conversation between two folks that work over at GitHub. We have Thibaut Imbert, who is the VP of Growth, and Morgan Palomares, who is the Senior Director of Revenue Marketing at GitHub. The two of them have been figuring out PQL motions in real time in this discussion. They hashed out a couple other things that they hadn't quite figured out yet amongst themselves. So it was a really fun conversation between the two of them. If you like this episode, there are plenty others that are filled with fantastic guests and good content. So go ahead and check that out. Hit the subscribe button if you're a fan and let's go ahead and jump on into the conversation. Hey everybody, thanks for for joining us today. We are gonna be talking all about PQLs. So Thibaut and Morgan work together. They're super excited to talk all about PQLs. They're going through a process now to get them rolling. So why don't we go ahead and get started with maybe just Morgan or Tebow, whichever one of you wants to kick us off, like give us a rundown. Actually, let's just define PQL first. Let's define PQL. And then, uh, you know, we'd love to start to hear of where you're at with it, implementation, and we can take it from there. Sure. I'm happy to to talk about PQLs. And, and full disclosure, Morgan is is the one that really talked to me about PQLs the first time uh, at GitHub. So just a reminder for everyone, Morgan and I work at GitHub. Uh, Morgan's been in GitHub for longer than me. I joined six months ago. And Morgan will talk about how she's been really driving demand gen for, for GitHub. PQLs is uh, what, uh, what it means is product qualified leads. And so I think, Morgan, actually, you'll be a better person to talk about how is that different than MQLs? And, and PQL is uh, is kind of like a new a new term. Honestly, I think if you talk to a lot of people in even the demand gen space, uh, they might know what PQLs are in terms of like how you think and how you define. But the PQL term is kind of like still an emerging thing. So product qualified leads instead of marketing qualified leads. The main difference is that you make product the way to qualify the lead, and so. In a nutshell, the gist of it is you use product usage as a way to define intent and really the kind of like the qualification of that lead. Obviously, it works really, really well, if not only for, you know, free and freemium products or trial products where people can just try the product um, self-serve. So that's what it means, product qualified. Uh, PQL is a product qualified lead. Yeah, I think that's super helpful, Thibaut. I sort of think about PQLs definitely in terms of intent. So there are some MQLs that obviously have been brought in from a marketing team that serves either demand gen or demand capture. So it's either you're bringing people in that already have buying intent and you're just bringing them to your solution, or you're actually putting that thought in their mind that they have this problem that that you're able to solve and you're bringing them and then also hopefully convincing them that they should be making a buying decision. So that's both of those efforts that are trying to bring this lead to to you and the company. Whereas a PQL is, is just a yes and to that. So you're still bringing in those leads to our domains, trying to get that website traffic. But instead of bringing them to a form and then like using lead scoring and previous data to say this is the ideal MQL, 
you're actually bringing them directly into the product and you're letting them sort of showcase to you their intent. And then you take their activities either in the trial or in the product and you come up with the most important um, activities or actions. And then you use that to then inform your scoring model. So I love having both MQLs and PQLs. And I think of PQLs as just a second high intent funnel that I'm now able to tap and start sending qualified leads over to the sales team. And, you know, maybe it'd be helpful if we give people uh, a couple examples of, of what a PQL might look like at different companies. And then I would love to hear, you know, how you're thinking about it at GitHub. Yeah. So when I was at Zendesk before GitHub, we really looked at PQLs from a trial perspective. So the demand generation team was really trying to drive traffic to the trial. And then once obviously all of the prospects are in the trial, we were trying to help them in product find the most sticky features. And we felt as though if they took X action in the first day, that they would have, uh, they would have the highest propensity to actually convert, and so that's an easy way to start with PQLs. If your company has any sort of try experience, web try buy model, then you can start with PQLs just within the trial and still treat it as like a pre-sale motion. Whereas, like Tebow, you can kind of talk us through how you're also thinking potentially about being using PQLs outside of the trial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 before I do that, uh, Morgan, I, I was just curious. Maybe we could ask Matt. You know, at Drift, do you do you folks use PQLs? And if so, uh, how do you define them? Yeah, we use PQLs. PQLs are one of our best sources of, of leads. We define PQL, I, it has changed over the years, but one of the ways uh, that we approach it these days is basically to, for context, Drift, you, the free product, you could sign up, you could take the chat widget, you could put it on your website, you could start having conversations. And so for us, a PQL looks like somebody that has had a certain amount of conversation activity in a given time frame because it means that their website has the right amount of traffic to generate conversations. And they most likely have uh, some sales folks that could use Drift to generate more of those leads. So we look at it a lot from the perspective of uh, how many conversations are they having on a, on a daily basis and how many meetings are they booking uh, using Drift, and those are, are our core levers. So it's less like did they use did they install the widget or not, and it's more of uh, what type of activity are they getting once they have installed our chat widget. That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, and so back to Morgan's question, the the way uh, as as both of you pointed out, it's all about these leading indicators that correlate with with conversion, and so there's this kind of like data exercise to look at what are the patterns and the you know, what activation means really for for these uh, these uh, these customers and from there you kind of like you know reverse engineer the path to uh, what is the right journey for these people and so Morgan was saying outside of the trial the way we're thinking about it is that in some ways um, if someone gets into a github the github funnel and we know what is the kind of the, the recipe to get them to be successful with the product uh, for, let's say, an enterprise product. 
then we can do the same thing for uh, other other tiers, other segments, and then replicate that. Um, and and where uh, it gets really interesting is how then we work with the sales team to provide that visibility to the sales organization because I think that's the thing that's very um, that was a learning for me is uh, and this is where Morgan was was really helpful in kind of like bringing this PQL approach. And so how do we dock with the sales team? Because the sales team really needs that data today uh, to do, you know, outreach to accounts. And instead of, you know, going on, on LinkedIn and, and looking at, you know, people that are getting series B, D, uh, E and, and saying, okay, maybe, maybe these people are, are ripe now to engage. You're looking at their engagement. You're looking at their uh, are they stuck? Are they are they healthy? Uh, and how do you deploy customer success and uh, to make the, make sure that they're successful and that you engage with them at the right time? Yeah, I love that, Thibaut, because PQLs and if you're if you have never worked with PQLs before, one of the the one of the great things you can do to get first get started, obviously, is, is start to look at your existing customer base and then see which of these customers are using our product in the way that, you know, makes us feel obviously good, good about ourselves, that they've actually gotten they've actually gotten the value in what they've purchased. And you start to look at the behavior that they have in your product. And then you start to look at those attributes and say, okay, how can I then start to help future customers adopt what our best customers are already doing and bring that all the way through to the pre-sale customer lifecycle? So that also when you're, when that, that lead has become a customer, like, you know, you already have the motion going from a trial perspective. But the key really in all of it is that it unlocks all sorts of segmentation for you. Whereas like if you're strictly in an MQL world, you are really segmenting your audience based off of job description, a few more attributes, and or the annual reoccurring revenue, the quarterly reoccurring revenue. It's a revenue sort of number that also helps you do segmentation. Whereas when you start moving into the PQL world or even just looking at product usage in general, you're you're not looking at things from which accounts are you know bringing us the most money. It's about which accounts can use our help in getting more information in order to find that value discovery faster. That's what's really cool about PQLs and in going in that direction and in general, even if you don't necessarily come out the gates with the PQL model at your company. Yeah, at the at the end of the day, the, the PQL it it is the customer or user has truly expressed their qualification rather than you assuming qualification of them being a good customer based on all those other like firmographic data points that you're talking about. Absolutely. And then even from a mindset perspective, you're not necessarily trying to get that individual to complete another form for you. You're really changing your whole approach and mindset on how do I help them get the most value as quickly as possible? Yeah. And, and, and one thing that I liked in that is that because we were able to, or at least because we want to be able to provide that, you know, these insights to the, the, the whole company and if people are successful, then you also, at least uh, in the conversation we've had so far, you make people 
feel good about bringing more traffic to that rather than, you know, getting just people to talk to sales. There, there will always be people, a set of customers and companies that will want to take, talk to the sales organization, to salespeople first. And some companies will want to just try. And with the PQL approach, you, you make that conversation with the sales organization easier because you say, hey, it's all right. Some, there are different people out there some people will still engage with you directly and the ones that will get into the funnel uh, and get into the product will we will be able to scale the pipeline by making sure they're successful self-serve and we will provide that insights to you as the mature so that you know when to engage and so that way you really provide that visibility and a plus to the sales organization so that they don't feel like you're just taking traffic away from them so it really helps uh, have that conversation and Full in full candor, uh, like we were, we're still, you know, getting into that motion and instill a conversation on our side. But at least in so far, it has been really effective at kind of like making people understand that it's it's a conversation about how everyone wins rather than you know growth versus sales versus marketing. And on that note of growth versus sales versus marketing, we, we've talked about like the product perspective of it, the growth perspective of it, the marketing perspective of it, and the sales perspective of it. Who owns PQLs? Like who is in charge of them, right? Because fundamentally, the people getting to the website to sign up in the first place, that's got to come from marketing. And then the reps are the ones doing stuff with it. And the product team is the one building the trial motion, right? Like who, how do you think about like ownership lines? Because Tebow, you're in the product growth type side. Morgan, you're over on the marketing side. Would would love to take on that. It's a good question, and honestly, I don't think Morgan and I have talked about this. Though I'm sure Morgan has a point of view because she's been thinking about uh, more of that that you know dimension more than myself. But I think Morgan actually let's let's talk about this live. It's, it'd be funny, but from my perspective. Um, Product growth really, be, uh, our, our, our team is really about the, making these PQLs successful. So our job is to create the best product experience for these PQLs to be successful. And that's changing the product experience, that's really understanding activation, using the channels, notifications, emails, and everything we can, uh, and also obviously product to make sure they're successful. And I wonder, you know, I do think our team will have an impact on bringing more, P- more PQLs, let's say a pricing page. But I would imagine Morgan would be leading more of the acquisition and we would be leading the activation. But Morgan, I'm curious your thoughts. Yes, Matt, this is a great question. We haven't even <laughs> we haven't figured this um this um this out. So this is great. I would agree with you, Tebow. I think that at the end of the day, it also if you're your whole goal with product qualified leads is to figure out who has the highest intent and who is most likely to become a customer and that it needs a sales conversation. So I would say that like Tebow in theory owns the PQLs, but um, my team is definitely driving traffic to the trial and then also really working in lockstep with the sales dev team to make sure that they have their sequences correct, that you know we're doing the experimentation that we need, that the volumes are at the level that they need. So in that sense, I feel like it would fall a bit more to the marketing side for the actual operations and day-to-day working with the sales dev team. I don't know, okay, Tebow. Right. You tell me. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think that I think that makes sense. 
it's kind of funny that we're kind of like um, doing the sausage, uh, building the thing in front of everyone here, which is funny. Uh, you, you all got a glimpse of a conversation that <laughs> Morgan and I could have had internally about how do we do that. This is exactly what I was hoping for here. So, so then let, let's dovetail this into maybe the, the measurement and goaling of the PQLs. Um, have you gotten to the point where you've set goals yet? Yeah, I mean, in terms of goals, I think there's two things. Uh, one is is goaling in terms of, you know, how many people uh, do we want to get as PQLs? Again, I think Morgan's been uh, doing a lot of that with MQLs with specific goals quarterly. Um, we have, so on that, not yet. We, on the goal in terms of like defining what success looks like for a, um, a PQL and what the goal is for once people get into the product, what defines their activation and, and in some way maturity to define uh, a successful PQL. This is something that we have done and uh, we've done all the qualitative and quantitative research to find what are these leading indicators. So for instance, we, we saw that a GitHub customer getting into the product, if they have, for instance, added code into their repo, obviously uh, they're more likely to, uh, to convert later. Then you add on top of that, have they added team members? Have they uh, done their first pull request? Have they uh, set up their first um, you know, actions workflow? So all of that is something that we've, we've kind of like built that ladder for uh, defining PQL, their scoring. And so now what we're going to be doing is uh, we're actually building the product experience as we speak to start changing the product experience, to get people to do these things, uh, to make sure they're successful. What we haven't done is setting goals on, okay, how many PQLs do we need to bring? And even, you know, do all the, the backend work to actually have dashboard and reporting on that. That's something that we're working on as we speak. Yeah, I, I would, um, that's, all, those, that's all true, Matt. I think the thing that I would know on like the, how do you measure a goal on PQLs is in the beginning, what I would do is just strictly look at the conversion rate of your PQL to SAL and SQL or whoever your company defines um, those standard funnel definitions. Because I would, I would hate for anyone to feel like they have to come with a large volume of PQLs. It's totally fine if in the beginning you have a very low volume, but you are getting to the quality that you're looking for. Because again, PQLs are supposed to bring you know, that really high intent customer. So that's what you, you want to nail first. And then once you feel like you've gotten the actual science behind it, you know, these are the things that we want to measure that informs our PQL scoring model. Then you can find that, tune that over time, but and and obviously add more to the funnel and, and grow the scale there. But I would say in the beginning, stay true to high intent. Really focus on the most important things that you think would drive that high propensity to convert, and go from there. Yeah, and Morgan's been talking a lot internally about intent of leads. And so in some ways, PQLs are probably would be the, the most the most qualified leads. I mean, uh, assuming they, they, they activate, this would be kind of like the, the most the most qualified lead we can get in some ways. So let's talk about uh, getting the info on these PQLs, the PQLs themselves, the context of here's what they did in the product that make them a, a good PQL. Let's talk about getting that over to the sales reps. One thing that I have seen from experience is 
that sometimes or oftentimes the reps will just say, send me all the PQ, like send me anybody that signs up that looks good. Like just, just send them all to me. And you have reps that want to like jump into PQLs that maybe haven't taken all the actions yet, but they look like a really elite. How are you thinking about holding a line and saying the reps only see the PQL at this level and defining what that level looks like and how it shows up to them and in what way? Well, that's a great point. I don't think we thought of that, Matt. <laughs> at least I haven't. Um, and, uh, Curious, Morgan, your thoughts on that since you've worked with the, the sales organization for longer. But uh, but yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it goes actually to like a larger philosophical question on like how much do you tell the team, the sales team about your scoring and routing models? So, you know, there's a world in which you could definitely train your sales team on how to really understand the scoring model. I've found, though, that once they understand the scoring model and they get the lead outside of the very best one, they don't focus on it as much after. So I think there are some advantages of, of the team not fully understanding the, the scoring model in detail, but knowing that if it gets added to their queue, it has absolutely passed the scoring threshold and they should have confidence in that lead and follow up with them just as they would with the hottest of the hot lead. Now, I've definitely worked with salespeople that want as many leads as they can get, even if they're not totally warm. And then I've also worked with a ton of salespeople that are like, I actually just want the people that are ready to buy right now and don't waste my time with anything else. Got I would say you want to strike a balance. The first thing I would do is sit down with your sales dev manager or your sales leader and start asking, how many leads does your team need to have on a daily basis in order to hit your goals and be successful? And then you start to work your, your way backwards from there. Yeah. On the, on the note of uh, managing the reps and the context, I'll, I'll just give the example of of what I've seen over at Drift in case it helps you both and, and other folks that are listening in. We we basically had to get to a point where we would just hide the PQL information completely. Like we just wouldn't show the lead in Salesforce for the reps until they hit that threshold. And then they would show up because otherwise, like a few of the reps that, you know, got clued in of here's what the PQL is and, you know, they, they really understood it. They would, they would kind of like short circuit it find the people that were on their way to becoming a PQL and, and kind of pick them up and, and run with them from there. And the, the challenge that you really have to think about um, that we didn't really think about a ton before we got going was that the whole point of the PQL is to let the, let the customer, let the user get to that qualification point on their own. And if the rep is jumping in too early, you are short circuiting that, right? You're, you're, you're no longer letting them get to that value point on their own. And so, yeah, we, at one point, we just kind of had to draw a line and say, like, it will not even show up in Salesforce. It's not even searchable in Salesforce until it hits that threshold. That's a great point, Matt. And we actually have that rule for everything at, on our team. So our inquiries sit in Eloqua, and we don't pass anything over to Salesforce and for that lead information to be sitting in Salesforce until it has actually become a qualified lead regardless if it's marketing and soon to be product. So we sort of cut that's that, awesome. we cut it all out. Yeah. They, the, everything that's that hits their queue, they're supposed to follow up with. 
I didn't know that, Morgan. That's really cool. And Matt, this is uh, this is great to hear you guys did that. And and I think we're probably going to be doing the same thing. Awesome. I love that you're we're getting this conversation in, in real time, both figuring it out together. This is this is good stuff. Cool. Any any other implications or you know things that you've run into as you've gone through this journey of setting up PQLs that you think is worth calling out here that maybe you didn't expect to be complicated, but is more challenging than you thought, or something that was overlooked and you're saying, oh, I wish we just thought about that a little bit uh, a little bit sooner. Any any of those things come to mind that you want to share? Well, I think I think I mean you know in full transparency because I think that's the 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 point of growth unplugged in those series to be. To be vulnerable and and transparent about some of the some of the ambiguity and challenges of of, of being a growth practitioner is um, you know there's definitely going to be an impact not an impact but the, what what what's happening right now this PQL conversation is triggering bigger conversations about you know um, how do we do we divide and conquer and what are the swim lanes between you know self serve and sales uh, and and it has even implications into you know what people want to focus on in, in, in other areas uh, throughout the company because you're kind of like, you know, it's it, it could be disruptive if, you're, if, you're, if you've always kind of like done MQLs and you just bring PQLs. It's not just like building a dashboard and just say, hey, we're going to hide stuff in Salesforce. There's a whole conversation you need to have about compensation and then, you know, what people, you know, are supposed to be focused on what they are compensated on and where do you draw the line and, you know, realign, recalibrate the swim lanes. And so I think that's something that we, we were going to, we're, we're, uh, we have in front of us and we're working with, uh, with leadership on. And, um, and so that's one thing. And the other thing is uh, once we have that um, definition of a PQL and, um, and the product experience aligned to, to get people to, to succeed and become PQL, I think there's interesting things we can do uh, around automation for lead scoring and and, um, and, and and you know automating a lot of things in terms of you know targeting and reengagement through emails and other other channels as part of lifecycle marketing. And so I think this is just the beginning, and I think we're going to learn a ton. And I think uh, it'd be awesome to to come back in a year. And actually, talk about some of the some of the flaws, some of the wins, and some of the some of the learnings. Those are great. <laughs> Those are great points, Tebow. Um, yeah, there's still so much work to be done, y'all. Um, I would say that some things that I wish I knew before I sort of started down this journey is first, just ask yourself, you know, do I work at a web try by company? Is the trial really important to leaders here? You know, do I have a, a product partner to make sure that it's the right experience to even make going on this adventure worthwhile? And then the second thing that I would do is if you really just want to dip your toes and get started without, you know, having to advocate this to LT and do all of the, you know, crusading and diplomacy you would need to do, um, I would say start with the segmentation. Like the next program that you're putting together to drive growth or to help with your demand metrics, think about, okay, how can I take my my audience and actually segment based off of existing product usage? So you should probably do this with a customer campaign or, or with to your install base. And then actually go through the segmentation of the product usage. 
instead of doing it by top target or the biggest accounts or whatever sales is, is telling you is most important and see what the data shows and tells you. And then take that win and make it into something bigger and then bigger. And then really then advocate from there that this is the future of how your business should be thinking about this. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you both for talking through a bunch of this stuff in real time. This has been great. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, I know there's so many things you can do with your time, energy, effort, things you can watch, listen to, work on, whatever it might be. Thank you for spending it here. If you were a fan of this episode, hit the subscribe button. Plenty more episodes to come. Check out some of the past ones. If you liked it, I would super appreciate a review on the podcast app. Any questions, feedbacks, ideas, anything like that, my email is mattatriff.com. Feel free to reach out. Thanks, and I will catch you on the next episode.